0: Hello everybody, my name is Eric Mercier, and today I'm going to walk you through the October edition of our Premium Natural Wine Club. Uh, This is a pretty awesome lineup, one of the smallest production lineups we've had so far in this club. Uh, It's pretty special, so hopefully y'all enjoy uh, all the amazing wines we have. So first up, we have a wine from Franz Wendinger. Uh, after we got so much positive review on the Blau-Frankish we included from Franz, uh, we figured it only makes sense for you to taste one of his white wines as well. Um, he definitely makes substantially more red wine than he does white wine, so for us to get our hands on his small production white wines, it, it's sort of a rarity. It happens once a year. We have to pre-order, um, usually almost a year in advance at this point, um, to try and claim you know some of the some of the wine Uh, this particular wine they only made 75 cases of for the entire world and he exports to dozens of countries and uh, also sells a lot locally in uh, in both Hungary and in Austria uh, because he's right on the border so half of his vineyards are in Austria half of them are in Hungary Uh, I'm sure it's not actually a 50 50 split but you sort of get the idea uh, this is coming from one of the most legendary vineyards in all of Hungary, called the Steiner Vineyard. Um, Steiner Vineyard is located in Sjopran. Uh It's you know, if you're looking at it geographically, it's technically sort of part of Bergenland, which is the region on the Austrian side of the border. Um, but because of some some quirks of you know several World Wars and uh, all those sort of things, uh, they've ended up on the Hungarian side of the border um Chopron is is sometimes re- referred to as uh the most loyal Chopron uh for never leaving part of, of of Hungary never becoming part of uh Slovakia or becoming part of Austria um so it's a really cool area with a ton of ton of history uh this particular vineyard has uh been on and off owned by the church is my understanding um since like the 15th century uh so <laughs> You know, even back then, they knew that this was incredible, uh, you know, an incredible site for growing grapes. Um, Franz has done something really interesting here where he's sort of gone back in the history books and uh, tried to figure out what was, what used to be planted here. And uh, so both on the Austrian side of the border and on the Hungarian side of the border, he's decided to graft over some of his vines to Furmint. Furmint is an indigenous variety, meaning that it it comes from uh, Hungary. It's super unique. It doesn't really taste like anything else in the world. Uh, Some people maybe compare it a little bit to Riesling, but I find that it's more um, sort of like powerful and spicy and sort of sinewy, um, depending on, you know, which version you're tasting. Um, but I find that they have this really piercing quality, um, especially when made in a dry style. You, you can also see ferment made into uh, some delicious sweet wines, especially in the region of Tokai, sort of on the other side of Hungary. Um, but it's a really amazing grape variety. It's one of my favorite grape varieties in the world. It's, it's half the reason I wish that I could uh, move to Hungary and make wine is so that I could work with ferment, because I think that it's such an amazing... Um, like transmitter of terroir. They're, not all great varieties are equally good at expressing that sense of place. Uh, and for me, Furment is really incredible at, at tasting different depending on the soil, uh, depending on the microclimate that you're dealing with. Um, it can really taste different from place to place, which is, is very exciting for me. Um, so yeah, uh, Franz has decided to graft over a lot of his, uh, not a lot, but some of his vineyard, uh, to ferment on, on both sides of the border. And this being in like the best site of all time, uh, you know, it has huge, huge potential to make some of the, the most glorious white wines in all of Hungary. That being said, this was only grafted over, uh, I guess at the time that this wine was made uh, for like three years. So uh, even though the rootstocks are quite old, uh, the you know basically what they do with grafting. I guess I should probably explain this. Uh, is that you know there's a different grape variety planted. Let's say that it was Merlot planted because it was probably Merlot. Uh, so let's say that they have Merlot planted and they decide, hey, we don't really want to make Merlot anymore instead of just ripping up the whole vine right from the roots, what they often do is they'll chop off the top of the vine and then they'll graft on a different grape variety. This happens all the time in in places like, um, especially in places like Chile and Argentina and Australia and the Central Valley of California. These places that are, um, you know, sort of chasing the market a little bit more where they're like, cool, this year, you know, Sauvignon Blanc is really popular. So let's graft over to Sauvignon Blanc and then a couple years we'll be able to make you know lots and lots of Sauvignon Blanc Um, or you know you're trying to preserve these old vines uh, but maybe you don't have the right grape variety growing above ground Uh, maybe the region is too cold for something like Cabernet Sauvignon but you didn't realize it at the time then five ten years later you're like okay we need to graft this over to something that's a little bit more cold hardy you'll often see that uh, you know sort of all around the world as well in this case again probably something like uh, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, something like that, been grafted over to, to ferment. Um So it's it's only been producing wine for a couple years. Uh, we actually don't get enough of this wine in order for us to include it in this wine club. So we have two different vintages in the wine club, 2018 and 2019. We hung on to some of the 2018 so that we'd have enough to get everybody a bottle. Um, luckily, we got a little bit more of the 2019. So if anybody is... Uh, really desperate for another bottle, there are a couple more cases in stock, uh, so we should be able to share them with you. But yeah, really special wine. Uh, this is planted on Nice and mica Schist, uh, these sort of, you know, what they would call like primary soils uh, in this area. Um, they're sort of like hard, rocky, uh, not very nutrient-rich, so these vines really struggle. Um, these are some of the lowest yields that that we've ever seen, um, at least on the red wines from this vineyard, I don't actually have the, the numbers on the yields for the white wines, but the red wine is notoriously super, super low yield. Uh, if you get a chance, definitely try the red wine from from Steiner as well it is unbelievable. It like tastes so much like rocks. it's it's kind of unbelievable. Um, but yeah, from a flavor profiles perspective, uh, there's gonna be a little bit of variation between the uh, two thousand and eighteen and the two thousand nineteen uh, the two thousand and eighteen. Uh, Is going to be sort of more precocious more sort of tart fruit characteristics versus the 19 is going to have like a little bit um, More like sort of like stone and orchard fruit characteristics, Uh, but honestly, I think that they're equivalently good Uh, The 2018 is just a little bit more rambunctious versus the 19 is a little more um, I don't know a little more Put together maybe I don't really know what the word for It's poised. I'm not really sure Uh, Either way, they're both super delicious and and definitely worth trying to seek out both vintages if you can. Um, But yeah, we weren't able to get enough of either vintage to include all of it. Uh, So it's super cool that we get to uh, get to do that. Um, For pairings for this, uh, you can read my my write-up in the newsletter. Um, But uh, I, I sort of highlighted root vegetables as being really delicious for this. I also think river fish would be awesome with this. Um, however, you like to prepare that. Uh, it's quite versatile. Um, being high acid, low alcohol, no sweetness—those are all things you know sommeliers look for when they're looking at what wine is going to go with the most amount of things. Uh, even though people tend to drink, you know, at least in Alberta, more than fifty percent red wine with their meals, there are actually very few foods that go better with red wine than they do with white wine. And so, this is definitely one of those. Uh, Swiss Army knife wines that can go with a ton of different things. Um, I guess the last thing that I'll point out is that these these bottles are numbered, uh, so it's really cool to sort of like see which bottle number you got. It's uh, usually on the front label on the right upper right hand side. Uh, so definitely peek at that because you might get a. A cool combination of numbers. Maybe it'll be a lottery ticket number or something like that for you. Um, but yeah, really delicious wine. Definitely ageable as well. Um, 2018 is maybe more designed for like earlier consumption versus if you're going to lay down a bottle, I'd say the 2019 uh, can definitely you know go for a decade, which would be super cool to see that wine. Um, Furmint is notoriously good at aging. Again, that high level of uh, of acidity, but also high level of ripeness tends to make those wines go for a long time you could you know the best examples of them um, can go you know 30 years um yeah it's it's pretty cool uh the next wine that we have in today's wine club is also crazy small production uh we're only able to get 48 bottles this vintage um and uh it's uh kendeli's uh luna nueva uh kendeli again obviously like fan favorite everybody's always harassing us to use more kendeli wine uh and so you know we're, we're never going to say no to that uh we like drinking these things too so this is a, a new cuvee for for alex uh he made it last year and this year and that's uh that's it so far um And so it's cool to see how those wines progressed over its first two years of existence. Uh, In this case, uh, Luna Nueva is made from uh, Pinot Gris, Viognier, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc, grapes that you don't normally see in the same bottle, but uh, for some reason, they do really, really well. Uh, These are grown in Nelson, New Zealand. So it's sort of the northern tip of the South Island. Uh, So if you're, you know, visiting Wellington, it's a pretty easy uh, you know, ferry ride across the uh, across the Strait there, and uh, you can go visit Nelson's quaint little town, kind of a little hippie town mostly. Uh, lots of agriculture happening around there. Lots of different things growing: hops uh, in that area, lots of uh, lots of cannabis growing in that area, uh, vegetables, the whole shebang. Uh, and this is actually the site of the first organic winery in uh, in all of New Zealand uh, was right in this area. I think it's called Richmond Plains, um, but they're in Nelson, which is surprising because Nelson is actually one of the harder areas in New Zealand to actually grow organically. It's way easier to grow organically in some of the drier regions. So if you're looking at a place like Hawkes Bay, for instance, on the North Island um, or central Otago, uh, also quite dry high elevation, quite cool nights, uh, so you don't end up with as many pests versus in um, in Nelson, it's quite damp there. Uh, you know, lots more rain, at least in a usual year. They've had a had a, a couple drought vintages uh, recently, but, yeah, it's definitely one of the more challenging places, maybe not the most challenging. Anything on the north side of the island is, a, is a, essentially not planted with grapes because they end up getting tons of rain, Everything on the south side of the islands uh, is protected. They're basically in a rain shadow from, you know, the central range that sort of runs down the, uh, down the center of the, the island. So that's why you see most of the grapes grown on the south side of the island. Um, or I guess southeast facing, because it is kind of on like a 45 degree angle a little bit there. But either way, really cool place to be growing grapes. Um, they have a couple different soil types here. Um, they have mudry clay, Uh, which is some of the best clay you can grow grapes on. This is what Alex really likes because it adds a lot of texture to the wine. Um, Wines grown on clay tend to have more base, more richness, and because he's harvesting quite early and making these delicate wines, uh, he likes having that extra little bit of richness to uh, counteract the fact that he likes harvesting quite early and at uh, lower levels of alcohol. Uh, And so you end up with the best of both worlds. You end up with a wine that's light, but not thin. Uh, It's definitely a challenge for a lot of winemakers to hit that balance. But I think in particular with the Luna Nueva Cuvée, uh, it really does well. So Pinot Gris, I find that it's going to be adding a little bit of spice to this. Uh, I actually was lucky enough to uh, help with harvest there a couple of years ago. And tasting the Pinot Gris and especially the the fermentations, it's got this really nice sort of uh, like... Uh, like persimony quality to it uh, and then lots of spice almost like peppery spice the viognier um, we didn't get any viognier the year that I worked there but I find that viognier adds to this blend um, this really amazing I, I think I use the word like coconut water uh, in uh, in my write-up but definitely that and like lilac and some nougat qualities it adds this nice sort of like rich um, floral but without being like soapy kind of quality. Uh, Viognier is also often described as being oily, so it has this richness to it. So even when it's like light and delicate like this, it's quite, you know, it has softness. Uh, Chardonnay tastes like Chardonnay. Uh, Chardonnay is kind of a, you know, one of those grapes that's very transparent. It really shows a sense of place. It's really great for texture. Um, But yeah, the flavor profiles coming from the Chardonnay are going to be mostly, you know, apples and things like that. Uh, and then the Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc is really cool to taste in New Zealand. The um, Sauvignon Blanc is like, you can taste a Sauvignon Blanc grape from one side of the vine at, that faces the sun, and it'll taste super tropical, like it'll taste like passion fruit and papaya um, and like mangoes and and be like really ostentatious. And then you can taste a Sauvignon Blanc grape from the other side of the plant that's in the shade, and it'll taste like green peppers and like hops and like kiwi and like lime juice. Uh, And so uh, it's one of these really cool grape varieties that you can get this massive spectrum of flavor from them. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc kind of gets a bad rap because of you Know things like Kim Crawford and, and I don't know all the different bay wines, the, the you know, Monkey Bay, and I don't remember what all the other ones are called, but either way, like all these sort of mass produced wines coming out of New Zealand and they all kind of taste the same. They taste very green peppery, they taste very um, ammonia y. Uh, and again, it became very popular, and there are certain ones that are really delicious that taste like grapefruit and. Fox tree and like all these sort of things, but a lot of them just sort of taste the same and it's, not everybody likes that flavor. And so everybody thinks they hate Sauvignon Blanc, but they haven't tasted a version like this that is not one tone, is is more tropical, has more depth of flavor. So uh, this is definitely a really fun version for anybody who is like, ah, I don't really know if I like Sauvignon Blanc. This will definitely do some converting. Um... As far as uh, fermentation goes, this is really interesting because it's fermented in, in amphora. So instead of being fermented in oak or in uh, you know concrete or in a stainless steel tank, this is actually aged in a giant clay pot. Uh, that clay pot doesn't really impart a ton of flavor. Um, but it definitely imparts maybe a little bit of sort of like a dusty, uh, sort of like earthy component to it that I think is really quite beautiful in this case. It doesn't always show well in every wine, just like oak doesn't always show well in every wine, but I think for these grapes and the way that Alex is making the wine, the M4 is is sort of a perfect vessel. Uh, it's quite an oxidative vessel, so meaning that it allows quite a bit of oxygen into the wine, and this can help stabilize the wine. But it also uh, progresses the fruit flavors from being super bright and fresh uh, to more sort of autumnal characteristics, more dried fruits, um, you know, sort of more characteristics like that. Uh as far as pairings go, uh, I really sort of dove deep into uh, my very tiny cookbook collection. Uh, I don't own a ton of cookbooks, because I don't really cook out of cookbooks that often. But every once in a while, I like flipping through them for inspiration. And uh, I noticed uh, my Slanted Door book. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to Slanted Door, it's in San Francisco. Uh, it's uh, you know owned and operated by an amazing Vietnamese family that immigrated to the U.S., uh, I want to say in the '70s. I don't totally remember, um, but either way, they were they set up this um, this little restaurant that ended up being like a cult classic. They ended up moving uh, into a bigger restaurant and then a bigger restaurant again, and now they're like on the pier in this gorgeous, humongous restaurant. Um, it has one of the coolest wine lists in in the country. Huge focus on Riesling, um, but yeah, I looked through their cookbook and sort of picked out a couple of my favorite recipes. Um, or things that I, I I you know know would go super super well with this. Uh, so we have like a squid salad on there. Um, the fried red snapper, like oh that's that's definitely a, would be an amazing combination with this wine. I love fried fish. Uh, there's a really great recipe in the in the Pock Pock book as well too. Um, if you're on the hunt for like a Thai style like fried fish recipe. Um, so so good but yeah theirs in their book looked really awesome with that ginger dipping sauce I think ginger with this is is an amazing combination I think ginger and viognier get along really really well uh, cashew chicken again that nuttiness uh, I think goes really well with this wine there are very few wines that go well with dishes with nuts in them and this is I think one of those wines that would do really well um, but yeah there's a couple other uh, recipe suggestions on there as well. I highly re- recommend buying their cookbook. It's honestly a great resource. Um, they have a whole section on wine in it as well, uh, which is great, as well as uh, an amazing list of cocktails. Again, I'm not one to make cocktails at home, frankly. I I, I rather you know pay somebody to make them for me, uh, especially because I don't want to own you know the millions of ingredients. But if I was going to make a cocktail, they have a they have a Pimm's cup recipe in there that looks outrageous uh definitely worth trying so uh check them out that's called slanted door um but yeah those are my suggestions for for pairing with uh kindeli's luna nueva if you're looking for more information on kindeli because i did visit there i have a huge write-up on our website um definitely go there it's www.juiceimports.com uh and then yeah click on the, uh, the kindeli page and you can read all about their other wines but mostly about the winery um we were lucky enough to to be uh, featured in Pipette Magazine's um, uh, newsletter, actually. Uh, they shouted us out for having a really good write-up for Kindeli. So, you know, it's not just us who think that we have a really good write-up for Kindeli. Uh So definitely check that out. Our last wine, uh, this wine, again, we got just enough of it to be able to fit into the wine club. Um, We haven't even gone out and poured it for anybody yet, and and we figured, you know what, screw it. We're going to put it all in the wine club. Uh, It's a nice treat for everybody. I feel like the the Premium Wine Club is just a treat every single month, so I I feel like I need to stop saying that. But it's so hard because I get so excited about the wines. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, this is going to be our our sort of, like, fuller-bodied red for the the month. Uh, Again, we try and alternate every month between doing um, two reds and one either white, orange, rosé, sparkling wine, uh, and then doing, you know, one red and then two of the other. Uh, so next month will be two reds for you, uh, which we actually haven't even decided on yet. Normally I'm like planned really far ahead, uh, but we just have so many wines right now that just showed up that I, I kind of get to, you know, get my, get my pick of the crop. So, uh, so this wine, rigor and whimsy, um, I'm not sure if we've included a rigor and whimsy wine in the premium wine club yet, but we've definitely included in our, uh, in our, um, sort of entry level wine club. I think we've included the Gamay in that club and, and maybe their entry-level orange wine. Um, but this is sort of their top, top, top wine, uh, which is orienteering in the underworld. Uh, if you want a really good write-up from uh, Costa and Jody, the, the winemakers slash proprietors, uh, definitely go check out their website. They're pretty obsessed with the naming of their wines and having these connections. And this is all... Uh, yeah, definitely coming from from deep inside uh, deep inside Costa's brain. So definitely go check out their write up. Uh, it's really cool, sort of getting a look into his thought process. Uh, so this particular wine is coming from the Okanagan. Uh, in in particular, it's coming from uh, the southern Okanagan, just south of Oliver. So basically, almost right on the border with the U.S. Down there, um, the climate is quite a bit different down here than it is in the rest of the Okanagan. Uh, The rest of the Okanagan, you know, if you go sort of further north, anywhere north of, um, in particular, Penticton, it gets quite cool. You're really only able to ripen grape varieties like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and, again, white grape varieties predominantly, and then some early ripening red grape varieties, whether that be Gamay Noir, Zweigelt, you know, things sort of in that vein. Um, But in the south here, it gets so hot that you're able to make these sort of bigger, bolder red wines. Um, that's not to say that there isn't Syrah grown for the north, but the flavor profile is quite different. It's going to be way more delicate um, versus the Syrah from down here. It tends to be a little bit more plush, a little bit more rich, a little bit more um, you know, fuller-bodied for sure. Even though this is only 12.9% alcohol, this has a ton of depth to it. Um, for winemaking here, he started off with, uh, with whole clusters, um, being that they didn't destem the grapes. I know we talk about this every month because there always seems to be a wine that's whole cluster fermented because we're a huge fan of the style. Uh, and so they're doing that in open-top bins, and then after uh, a week uh, of letting it sort of sit there as whole clusters without crushing them, without doing anything, they come back and then they do pigeage. So they crush all the grapes by foot, uh, and then the fermentation really kicks off. Uh, once that juice is exposed to oxygen and to all the, the yeast in the air, uh, fermentation gets going pretty quickly. Um, after the fermentation is is essentially, uh, well, once, it, once it's getting going, uh, they're adding Viognier skins. Uh, so the skins from Viognier, uh, not a ton of them, but just enough to add a little extra texture. There's a lot of flavor locked up in those skins, a lot of tannins. A lot of sort of antioxidant properties in those skins. Uh, apparently adding Viognier skins to Syrah helps lock in the color, uh, which is really interesting. Uh, again, color isn't necessarily going to make the the wine taste much different, but, uh, you know, you eat with your eyes. Pretty sure that's a saying. Uh, and so getting that really beautiful color by adding some of these uh, Viognier skins is, is pretty cool. Uh, So it's cool that we have two wines with Viognier in it this month, although this is just the skins. It's a pretty minor impact, but enough so that they felt like it was worth doing. Um, After a handful of weeks after that, they press off uh, the wine, uh, and they put it into uh, a single puncheon and a barrique. So like two barrels. That's essentially all that they made of this wine. And so uh, we were only able to get four cases to Alberta, one of which went to our friends at Highlands, uh, they were the first one to ones to grab it up in Edmonton. Uh, and then uh, two cases to Vine Arts for Wine Club and one case to uh, Color Divino for Wine Club. So not a lot to go around. Um, from flavor profile perspective, this is sort of deep and brooding. This is, you know, perfect for the weather that we're having right now where it's sort of these like, you know, extended fall days, a uh, little bit cooler out, you know, very autumnal. Uh, just looking out my window right now at the, the colors of the trees, uh, it's astonishing that we actually still have leaves on the trees. I can't remember the last time that, you know, we didn't have like the first week of September snowfall that just like killed all the all the leaves. Um, but it's so nice that we're having this glorious sort of golden fall, and I feel like this wine really sort of encapsulates that transition between seasons. Um, classic Syrah flavors here, blackberries, plums, lots of spice going on, that sort of meaty, gamey quality that you'd expect out of Syrah, um, again, all the reasons why Syrah is, is again ultimately my my favorite red grape variety. <laughs> uh, it's probably a tie between a handful of things, but honestly, when I look at my cellar, I'm like, it's definitely mostly Syrah. Um, but yeah, really lovely style, just enough acidity to to keep everything fresh, even though it is very intense and very darkly fruited. Um, but yeah, an absolute treat to get to drink. Kosta uh, and Jody included on their website that they think that this pairs best with lamb, and me lamb and Syrah is like you can't really get better than lamb and Syrah. Uh, so I kind of dove into the cookbooks again. I don't know why I was in, in a cookbook, you know, mood this month. Um, but I went to Le Pigeon, uh, one of my favorite restaurants in Portland. Usually when I would go work harvest in in Oregon, on my way back, uh, I would you know have a night in in Portland. And I would always go to Le Pigeon as my like celebration of, you know, a couple works of a couple weeks of hard physical labor. Um, They always had bottles of Krug, uh, one of the best champagnes, uh, half bottles of it for like really cheap on their list or like cheap for Krug, I guess. Uh, And so I'd always get myself a half bottle of champagne and do the tasting menu. And it was such a treat every single time. So uh, you know, it's cool to get to shout these guys out after uh, after all these years, and uh, and talk about some of their dishes. Um, again, I looked at their at their lamb dishes, and I remembered that they had this amazing uh, grilled lamb's tongue dish uh, with cream peas and morel mushrooms. Again, that you can't make a better pairing. Like honestly. If you can somehow make that dish, that's going to be the world's greatest pairing for this. Um, but there's a ton of other great lamb dishes. There's a whole lamb section in their book, uh, which has like a curried lamb meat pie, uh, you know, all, the, all these different things. So, you know, if you're going with lamb, there's a lot of diversity there. But uh, yeah, those are a couple standout dishes for me. Uh, anyways, I think that's the extent of all the things that I have to say this month. Um, if anybody has any questions, you can always reach us uh, via email, which is eric E-R-I-K, at juiceimports.com. Uh, We'd love hearing feedback from you, so if there's any wines that you particularly like or particularly don't like in the wine club, let us know. Uh, I know there's only like a handful of people that actually listen to this, but we'll include that in the newsletter as well too. Um, But yeah, we look forward to sharing more with you in the very near future. Thanks again. Cheers.